Hi, Cult Hackers. It's Stephen Mather here, organizational psychologist, was a member of a cult, and I'm one of the hosts of Cult Hackers. Now, obviously, Celine isn't here today, so no Celine, but I'm not lonely because I've got a, a very special guest. Uh, welcome back, Scott Homan. Thank you, Stephen. Happy to be here. Great. Well, it's, it's brilliant to see you again. So it must be, I don't know, about a year ago, maybe, since wow, we yeah. last spoke. I think we were in the end of the film festival run when we talked last with Ryan on the show. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, we spoke about your project, your film project called Witness Underground. Um, and that's uh, a great project. So I really enjoyed watching that. And uh, I recommend Thank people you. see it if they can. Um, do you want to tell us just a little bit about it? Uh, many of our listeners won't have heard it. And if you've not heard about it, then you need to you need to find out about it. So tell us a little bit about the project, please. Go the documentary is about artists inside of the Jehovah's Witnesses who grow up towing the line, rising up in the ranks and hierarchy, being considered good Jehovah's Witnesses by the religion, while also running a production, music production company on the side as a creative expression and outlet that ended up producing about 30 albums of music. And there's a, did a lot of live recordings and other archival stuff. They did a bunch of short films and um, movie trailers for movies that didn't exist, just and music videos for their music. A lot of they're just having a lot of fun, and there's a very vibrant community about four or five hundred people involved in like in, as an artist and audience, but like maybe a hundred core artists that were making art over a course of like 17 years. So the film is sort of highlights this period of time and all the art that they put out and sort of builds up the culture of what is it like to be a Jehovah's Witness, not just door knocking and going to meetings and reading from their magazines and going to church. Um, but actually, like, what is it like to be a Jehovah's Witness and struggle with the cultural tension and the rules while also trying to just live your life? And so I feel like the, the showing it through the eyes of artists and like showing what they actually created during that time is this beautiful window into this experience. And it's really hard also to get active Jehovah's Witnesses in a film. So in a way, I got to have like these people play both characters. At one point, they were Jehovah's Witnesses. So they play that role in the interview. They talk about what it was like, what they felt like in this moment. And then there's this transition. This is a long, this is a long form of my my film. There's a transition where you know things start to happen. They start to self-expression lead to um, self, uh, freedom of thought, and then freedom of thought sort of leads them to logical conclusions and realizing what this religion cult really is. And that they need to get out. And then it's sort of like, what happens if you start, if you leave an organization like this to your friends, your family, your, your relationships with your, your partner, um, your work options, like all these things, like all of a sudden there's this big break. And, and, and it's these people landing on the outside, like what are their lives like now after all this time? And they also still make music. So it's like this beautiful um, through line that music and art was like, a, they were, they're artists through and through and something that can change that and they're they just be, got better and better over time but they're also very impressive in the religion and so it's like a more entertaining fun look at a, this topic without you might still cry but yeah it's very <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, you it's said, a fun film you said that some people some of your feedback was you know that um yeah it made them cry and i, I can see why because it is it's very emotional not in a cheesy way or anything like that it just really hits some um well some notes um to use a pun it really it really does hit home i think thank you yeah some of the feedback i got one is, is i've been waiting for this moment so the film the film is available and so people are starting to write me and say hey this is what i thought of your film 
which I love. It's amazing. It's like this moment I've been waiting for for five years. So we started, we filmed it, we crowdfunded and filmed this in 2018. And so it's taken, takes years to get a film out. Um, the, one of the first feedbacks during the film festival was a friend of one of the main people in the film, Ryan Sutter, who was on your show. She wrote him and said, may today be the day that I've cried in the most parking lots, which I absolutely, it was like, it's deep and heartrending, but also hilarious. Um, but I, I love that. And it, it made me realize like, she's not the only one who said something about having an emotional response to the film. And I don't know many people who cry during documentaries. They're mostly like educational or informative um, dive into something. I don't know. They're like the history of, of documentaries doesn't really lead people to an emotional arc of a film. Usually like yeah. there's not a lot of that. And then I got a, a message last night that from a um, gentleman who I met just on like a XJW meetup the other day, this last weekend. So he jumped on and, joined the Patreon and watched the film. And his response was, I cried more than I expected I would. <laughs> like, I, that's like the ultimate compliment. He's like, yeah, mm. yeah, I'm deeply triggered. And it was great. Um, so there, there's definitely has, you know, it pokes on, on, I can make, I can make people from my own background trigger and have an emotional response. I, I feel like I've accomplished a life goal. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's, I suppose it is <clears throat> what you try to do as an artist, isn't it? You want to move people um, in in some way. So it is the it is the mission of, of an artist of, of any type, really, to, to make an emotional connection. And I, I really do think that the film does that. Um, I think it, I think it would do that for anyone, uh, whether you're an ex-Jehovah's Witness or not. Um, because the characters, the people, the real people are, you get to know them really quite well. And, and that's no mean feat in a documentary, as you say, it's not a long, um, it's not a long time to get to know somebody and, and you're seeing them talk um, to you, the, the filmmaker. Um, but you really start to feel like you're getting to know these people. And I think there's an extra resonance if you're, an ex Jehovah's Witness, because you recognize all of those balancing acts, the, the way that you're trying to, you're trying to maintain your faith. You're trying to do what the organization tells you to. There's fairly ambiguous, often there's ambiguous guidance about things like music. What can you listen to? What can't you listen to? And different witnesses will have different, um, judgments about that so you're all the time feeling a bit on edge about you know should i really be listening to this is this suitable um and so i think you get that from the film and especially if you've experienced that i really think you recognize that this kind of battle that you're going through so um yeah i, I think uh, I, i'm not surprised that people um had that emotional response and there's one or two won't spoil it but there's one or two particular emotional moments in the film that I think, you know, are, are particularly um, tough, um, but important to, to know about. So yeah, it's, it's a great piece of work. Um, so how can people watch it, Scott? There's one way at the moment and there will be plenty of ways in the future, but at the moment it's a, it's an important release. Like I've been waiting years, like I said, so March 1st, I put it on the Patreon. So patreon.com forward slash witness underground is the entire project. And there's a lot of other stuff there, but and uh, it's at a level. You can join other levels below, but then the film is, is going to have 
it's slowly coming up, but they'll have all the raw interviews at the same level as the film. And um, we're going to do, we're starting to do a community, monthly community thing. So there, there's a lot more than just watching this film. Sure. And that, but that's the only place at the moment. And then in the future, um, we're going to be releasing it through an aggregator, which is sort of like a, a do-it-yourself distribution method. But it allows us to get on a lot of different platforms. So I believe it should be available in the future, probably May. I don't have any sure dates yet. I'd like it to be available in April, but uh, we'll see. But it's going to be available probably on Apple and Amazon. And then like Tubi is the big one for ad-based. And so it should be available for free viewing with ads and a number of platforms. And Tubi would be is the target because that one, their, their ad revenue share is really generous towards artists, okay. whereas the rest of them are very exploitive. Right. Um, but anyway, so it'd be available widely, globally, very soon. Great. But right now, um, Patreon is the place to go to see your yeah, film. So, you know, exactly. it, is, it is available now. So that sounds great. And I thoroughly recommend it. It's um, it's a great watch. And you will watch it more than once, I would say. Um, That's so, another strange thing. People are yeah. often watching it again. They're like, I watched it again this weekend, or I brought my friends yeah. in to watch it. And they make a community thing about it, which... Yeah. How often do you do that with a documentary? When I yeah, love absolutely. that that's the response. People mm. want to watch it more. Yeah, and there's some great music in it. And that's the other thing I think that um, you, you get from that movie is, is the um, the music. You know, at the, at the end of the day, it is about music, I suppose. It's about a number of things, but um, music is at the core of it. And um, yeah, you get to hear some great music as as you see these people playing live. And it's it's great well, to see. If you want to tap into that, you can actually go to the website witnessunderground.com and there's a, a link for art and that's going to change soon. But right now at the bottom, it has all, and this will always be there, but it has all of the art that's available from the music scene inside the religion. So Jehovah's Witness music, which that might turn off any generic average listener <laughs> or even ex-Jehovah's Witness listeners. Like, why would I want to listen to some Christian music? But it's not Christian music. They were calling themselves Christians and they were believers when they made the music, but they had to make secular music. They weren't allowed to express their faith in God. But none of this is about Jesus or God or faith or religion. Right. It's about their lives and their relationships. It's like very much a secular art um, genre in a weird, strange way, even though it came from a cult and it's all available. So there's like 14 albums or 10 albums on there from a few right. different bands, mostly the original bands that started the scene. So you have the Lavone, I think um, Ryan Sutter's own music, you have Rhett Sutter's music, and SP3, which is their younger brother, was in that band. Um, anyway, so there's, there's quite a bit of available music just to get a sample of what it's mostly like psych rock and just like general rock and roll, if yeah. you will. And it's, it's quirky and weird. And it's all it's like there's some really great tracks in there just to get an idea of what it's like. But then what came later was like phenomenal. Like Day Trip is what the film really highlights them. And uh, Chloe, there's a Chloe album on there you can listen to, which is like, they call it Twee Pop, which I don't still understand after years working on this, but it's sort of like <laughs> um, light-hearted young women doing, it's like, it's like Riot Girl meets like pop in the punk world. I don't know, it's a very strange thing, but it's cool. Like they're really catchy melodies mm -hmm. and I like that what they did. So that's available if you want to listen to one of their albums. Um, yeah. But Day Trip blows my mind and that the film really highlights them. We'll put, uh, we'll put the link to your uh, website onto the show notes course but it's easy to find witness underground um just um, type it into google you'll soon find it um yeah. so yeah check it out and uh, yeah i didn't realize there was all those tracks so these are all the bands that were part of this um this record label that the, the movie is about exactly and one of the cool things about it was ryan sutter was kind of pioneering this whole 
scene back in the late 80s and 90s, in the early 2000s. And he, he's sort of an early internet, late century internet guy who really cared a lot about open source internet um, access to media and art. And so every single album that they put out underneath the Nuclear Gopher lab, label, Nuclear Gopher Productions label, was under sort of an open source mentality. Like all of this should be available forever to everyone. And everything we put out is is available and free to encourage people to like become a part of this organization because it's like we're all working together, we're all sharing, we're all help showing up for each other, um, sharing each other's art and also going to each other's shows and like helping encourage them to make more art and doing cross collaborations. And a lot of that was just happening naturally because of that. So it's still available and it's always been available. You can even buy the album still. They're like they'll press the new album for you because it's like on the, there was on like the Orchard. It's like some music group that and it, it, they've made mel- multiple releases of a lot of these albums and it's kind of amazing because like no m- most people in the regular you know universe here never heard of them but it's their music's been available to the public since the 90s cool right so um brilliant well yeah um so much good luck with that and, and i believe it's um it's done pretty well in the festivals um so how was it received by people in the world with the inverted commas how did uh, non xjws receive this film that's an interesting topic i think the responses were a bit of everyone was getting an education yeah and i think the film was it was edited by i hired a woman to edit the story of the film she includes that was includes something right at the beginning it's like you might know jehovah's witnesses for knocking on your door or not not celebrating christmas or birthdays and like that's usually where it ends in the western cultures in general any christian religion or any atheist or whatever they just know this is these are the things they know about this religion nothing else and that's why i wanted to make something to fit the general topic general general population to help them understand what this religion really is and the, the evils of shunning and how dark this scenarios are and like how what it's like to lose everything um no one knows that about this religion. And I, and I think people were a bit shocked and surprised. And then the Q and A's was beautiful about showing it to a public audience at all the film festivals was I was invited to do a Q and A right after the film. So they were like, wow, I've got way more. This, this film raised so many questions, even more than it answers. Um, what is, is this normal? Is this happened to like, yeah, this is, this is standard operation. You smoke a cigarette, you lose your family forever. You have sex with someone you love, you lose your family forever. You, someone knows that you sinned. More people, too many people know that you sinned. You lose your family forever. Like their punishment is severe and immediate and permanent. Like there's no changing it. Um, or if you do change, it's like a year of emotional abuse, and then yeah. you might get some of these people back. <laughs> yeah, you've got to come back groveling, basically, to yeah. and and undergo a process of um, humiliation, I, I believe. I mean, we, we've talked about reinstatement on the um, anti-fellowshipping on the podcast, So, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. But, yeah, um, it's interesting how people generally don't know that about Jehovah's Witnesses, and I think that's something that um, is just not on people's radar. That's one of the missions, I think, is to raise awareness of that sort of thing, and that something like this really helps. I think shunning is what makes this group a cult. Yeah. There's a bunch of other, there's a few other, there's two other really important topics that aid in adding to them being a cult. But shunning, I believe, is a human rights violation. It should be illegal. And I hope that one day people by bringing awareness to this, that the governments get involved and somehow there is litigation that supports them being a hate group. Because this is, we're, anyone who leaves this religion, they, we are in the pool of a hate group. 
and they don't ever stop um, saying negative things about us and ha getting our own families to mistreat us, which in most hate groups focus on a race or a culture or another country's population. And this one they're creating, there's hundreds, there's millions of us that they hate and they actively do stuff to like attack us or use emotional abuse. And the, the entire yeah. practice of shunning is an emotional abuse. I and mean, you could probably talk more to that as a, someone who works in the field of psychology. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other two issues are human sacrifice, which they practice through the blood doctrine. Yeah. They, and then the other one is child sexual abuse and protecting the abusers and punishing the victims and then making the victims face their abusers. A lot of times it's like, there's a lot of negative things and it makes you wonder what is the reason for this, this group to exist? Like, what is their real purpose? Because this is what they're like staking their whole reputation on are these three negative things, but they want you to know that they just don't celebrate birthdays and that they'll knock on your doors and talk about Jesus. But like, yeah. they could be a pedophile talking about Jesus. You know, do you really want him hanging out and writing down what, notes about your kids and like there's a lot to say about this but the film's about shining yeah no that's right i mean um <clears throat> obviously we we uh, we explore some of this um and i think the thing that for me we try to get across is that um this is this is not just people falling out with each other this is not just parents falling out with their kids or or brothers falling out with each other this is mandated by the religion this is mandated that you must now have no association with with this person that is your son or your daughter or or your father or mother or whatever and um um that's the thing that um separates this sort of practice from just generally i mean we understand people fall out all the time they um you know this happens in families but this is another level this is different this is mandated shunning by the organization um and again you know that the, the film shows shows the results of that and um and it can be absolutely devastating normally is absolutely devastating so yeah absolutely and sort of it's it's very personal like if somebody dies it's an impersonal situation they're not in your life because they don't yeah. exist anymore mm. and in this case your own blood family relationships your own community that you've known your whole life in many cases choosing not to have you in their life and if you try to cross that wall that they've erected they will punish you and make sure that you know that you're not welcome in their lives like there's no there's a zero relationship so it's very personal and it you know my personal experience is that it hurts to have people choose to reject you on a regular basis they're continuously choosing not to have you in their lives yeah. and that's the religion forcing the forcing them to do that that's right what's crazy is that the religion anytime they brought this is ever brought up in court they say we don't have, we don't do shunning, we don't practice that, and it's not mandated by the religion. It is absolutely enforced and mandated by the religion. These people believe that if they talk to their own child or their own family member who's made a logical choice to leave or broken a rule and been kicked out, whatever the thing is, mm -hmm. that if they talk to them, they will lose their parent, their access to God, their love of God, and their access to living forever in immortality in their you know fictitious future. Mm -hmm. And they they act on that. They believe it. They're they're told every day and reinforced in their echo chamber of their cult that this is the only way. You can't talk to your children ever again. Uh, and they also um, sadly believe that they are doing the right thing for their their children. That that is actually the only way that will um, bring them back to Jehovah is if you kind of um, 
shake them out of this this thing that they've ended up in you know so bring them back to jehovah by not speaking to them and so you do get people coming back um going through that process of reinstatement purely so that they can see their family again it's and you know it's again the very definition of coercion really um yeah so i think of that as and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but as a form of emotional abuse, like extreme emotional abuse, how how would you frame that in a, in a psychological? I think it is sense? absolutely, yeah, it absolutely is, yeah, um, yeah, and and I suppose that the thing that adds to that is the emphasis on the family um, and on the culture, so that that a system is set up so that your whole world revolves around this small community in your kingdom hall, in your local area. And your if you if you have family as witnesses, this is your whole world. You don't have lots of other associations. You don't. You're discouraged in, and stopped from having friends outside in the world. Um, that means that it's all the more powerful when when the only source of social interaction and your only family is taken away from you. Um, so it just it makes it all the more difficult. So yeah, it's, it's a very cruel practice. Um, I, I think Scott, um, there's an element here of they they've they've created a trap for themselves. You know how how as an organisation now could they, particularly if you think about something like the blood issue where people have died as a result of not having blood transfusions, um, if they were now to say well, actually, we've got some new light on this area. And um, actually, now we think that it's okay. It's a conscience matter that individuals can uh, make their own decision and they won't be sure. Medical health care. Yeah. You know, um, what would, how would that land with a whole community of people who have, who have made sacrifices over the years, some of whom have lost loved ones. So I think they've created a trap for themselves <clears throat> through their extremism that, is very very difficult now so you know it's a sort of answer to your question why do they have such outrageously difficult policies um the same goes for the two witness rule around sexual abuse and so on um and shunning i think the reason part of it is that they they don't want to have to say well actually we we were wrong and the consequences of that is pretty right. stark that's my that's my suspicion. Yeah, when, I like that you use the word sacrifice because these people have made sacrifices. Their children have died. There, they've let their parents die for this yeah. line in the sand that the religion has made them draw. Like yeah. people don't understand how serious the human sacrifice level is. Mm-hmm. They people have are forced, coerced to take a legal document, put it in their wallet that says, "I will not accept blood, and I will I would rather die than accept it." To the point that like. The, the hospital liaison committee, which is very, um, I mean, these people are work on the level. I mean, I think ultimately they're well-meaning because they believe this stuff, but they show up to your hospital bed and f- make sure that you don't accept medical treatment and then let you die. And they convince your parents who are there who might make that decision out of love to save your life. And, and, you know, there's, there's reasons why you might want to do that beyond, you know, for the religion, even like this person can keep on serving this religion if they live. And that would yeah. be a benefit to the religion. Like, like, no, you you have to let them die. This is a, like such a coercion. And then, of course, they will mourn that child or that parent for the rest of their lives. And their only way 
their religion has promised them that they will get to see them again. And yeah. the only way to do that is to stick to the line of this religion and, and follow them. So now you, you've like, once, once someone's killed someone or like let their loved one be murdered, you know, in a sense, it's like, it's like a very passive form of murder, I guess. Like don't let the doctor treat you. But once you've done that, then you've got like a lifelong uh, person in the religion who will do whatever you say on this promise of getting to see resurrecting their dead family member again. And the only people that can do it are the ones who also killed them. You know, it's like, it's very dark form of faith, but it works. It gets people to stay in and believe this and then try to tell others like you can also see your dead family because I'm going to. And like that cycle is if you, yeah. And if you lift that, those people are going to be furious and probably lose their faith because they didn't have to sacrifice their child to this religion. G'day, I'm Troy. And I'm Brian. And we're the hosts of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist, an evangelical podcast. We used to be loyal members and leaders in Australian Christian megachurches, but we're not anymore. I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist is an honest and hilarious peek behind the curtain at the weird, the worrying, and sometimes traumatic world of evangelicals and Pentecostals. We share our stories, we interview prominent guests in the global evangelical space, and provide a platform for others to tell their stories about their time in evangelicalism and their journey out. Shortlisted at the recent Australian Podcast Awards, I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist gives you a unique global perspective into one of the fastest growing religions in the world from the people who actually lived it. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and IWasAteenageFundamentalist.com. Yeah, I, I suppose just um, to, in, in, in an attempt to show some sort of balance i suppose um jehovah's witnesses of course would deny that this is human sacrifice they they would say this is a law that the bible um has written down or is written down in the bible and that jehovah's witnesses are following this law but i think your point about sacrifice is is a very good one because um we i remember articles in the magazines about you know putting putting some of the young people on a bit of a pedestal for the decision that they've made. Um, and yeah, it, it is, it's hard to describe it as anything other than making the ultimate sacrifice, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and whilst it might not be a case every time that, um, that blood is the only way to save somebody. Sometimes it is. There are young women who die in, in childbirth there are fathers and mothers and uh, yeah, all sorts of people who go in for operations who then or have accidents and, and do need blood transfusion. That is the only option open to them. There's two um, films on the topic. Um, one that just came out called The Children Act. I don't know if you've seen yes, that. I think I've it's seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. 2022, I think. It's or 2018. It's recent and it's really well done. Famous all star cast. Emma Thompson, I think, is Emma it, Thompson. Isn't she? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. Mm. I just watched that yeah. the other day. I thought that was really well done. And it's very strange as well, like how this person, his character acts, but they really deal with the topic in a nice way. And there's another one that came out like in year 2000 or something that was a, a documentarian had his, like his mom was a Jehovah's Witness. So he was sort of like, Hey, I'm a filmmaker and I'll, I'll definitely treat the religion with respect. And the, yeah. the Jehovah's Witnesses were like, you can have full access to everything. So they, they gave them archival access to everything, like really got let them just explore the topic. And one of the topics was blood transfusion for like an organ transplant or something. 
and then the kid survives and like all but all the drama leading up to it i don't know spoiler alert i don't know what it's called but there's a documentary on the topic so if you want to explore that topic there's a yeah. couple of great films on top. yeah and, and i think the thing that's most um and and i haven't seen that film but i've seen the children mm-hmm. act um and i think what um what that quite nicely illustrates is that the people like the hospital liaison committee, the parents of the or relatives of, of the, the sick person, you know, these are not mustache twirling baddies. You know, these are people who actually really do care about the person in that hospital bed. It's not that they are, uh, they find the whole thing um thrilling or amusing or you know they they're absolutely in bits because of it of course they would be um and as you said i think that they're all of them are going through these processes that have been mandated that they go through because they really believe it's the right thing to do which really does come down to this question of belief and the importance of challenging beliefs um and it's quite a sensitive area, I think. It's something that we've struggled with, I struggle with, um, because I want to allow people to have their own beliefs. Of course, it's not up to me what they believe, and I don't want to in any way try to stop people having their own beliefs. But there are consequences to beliefs, and it's right to challenge them, I think, from time to time. Yeah, and making a film, my whole purpose was to challenge the shunning practice. I think yeah. it's evil. I think it's bad yeah. for society. It makes this religion. I mean, they, they really offer almost nothing to, to society in general as a positive gain by having them around, in my opinion. Yeah. But this is a deep negative. This is this draw drags down their reputation in such a such a way, like tearing families apart forever, destroying blood relationships, um, being the single point of of like um, I don't know the single point of tension in family relationships or friend relationships breaking up bonds that are real like why would any or why would any government or region or culture want to have this added to society it's terrible and it needs to change something needs to soften about it and people don't even know it exists like norway for example just defunded the jehovah's witnesses because they don't participate in democracy that's the reason why in the law like this is a social negative yeah, the social negative. There's there's a lot of other terrible things this religion does before they stop doing democracy, participating yes. in democracy. We could why don't we focus on one of those? Like that, yeah. that would be a global change. Mm. I also want them to participate in their local government. Like mm. it's an important part of society. You have eight million people around the world who could swing any election. That's a good Imagine point. that voting block. Yeah, um, yeah, it's good. They, they, they don't participate. Yeah. Um, um yeah, that it's it's all it's all good. Um very good points. Um Scott, I want to talk a little bit about, um, firstly, the the initiative you're putting together. You you want to encourage the use of art, um, particularly for ex Jehovah's Witnesses, and so you've um, you've started a grant um, for creatives. So, if you want to tell us a little bit about that, and then we can go on to the benefits of art and creativity for ex-members and, and we can debate that a little bit but what what's yeah. what's the you, you're you've been on our podcast for the last few weeks um in the middle of it talking a little bit about it but um this is uh this is an opportunity for you to talk uh about it in a bit more detail so what's uh, what's the grant yeah thanks for bringing that up 
it's uh, and thanks for doing the the promotional side of it i really do want to spread this around it's mm. the idea comes from my own experience as a musician and i wouldn't even call myself a musician anymore but there was a time in my life where i spent a lot of my energy most of my energy making music and that really set my life in a new direction and i did a lot of filmmaking stuff back then too so i guess maybe just like general artist express expressive artist like yeah. working in multiple spaces um and i for me it's deeply healing to create something new and everyone i worked with in this film are people that have found a way to in when underground have found a way to express themselves and they keep on doing that throughout their lives all through from teenagers up until their adult lives and into their 40s and 50s and that has been something very positive for them and some have built a small side business on that and will continue doing that into their retirement and um some people have become very successful in doing it anyway i feel like it's it's deeply valuable as a human being to express yourself and feel free to do that and one thing about music that i've deeply connected to is it's something that cuts to the emotion the emotional core of our being beyond what language can do instantly someone can hear a hair band rock song from the 80s and you have an emotional response to it you love it it makes you nostalgic you hate it you don't like rock music too fast too noisy or too cheesy and like love ballads you know like whatever the thing is that they're doing whatever whatever this emotional thing or their classical music no language no no dialogue but you have an emotional response to it instantaneously and everyone in the world can re- can react to that it's kind of pre-language we probably have been doing this as a species for millions of years and that emotional um effect is very powerful not only for the creator but an audience and i feel like if we i feel like the actual witnesses is if this is the audience the audience i identify with i'm part of this community can highlight and celebrate that members like us people who lived lives like us are processing what they're going through with a piece of art it's something to rally behind and and join rather than just saying oh what's in the news what's in what legal case is happening i want to take this religion to the ground and like there's a lot of things to focus on that are a bit negative whereas music is sort of like oh we can like move beyond that we can like actually celebrate a piece of art and like support an artist in their journey out of this religion and their journey to healing and that's something that i have experienced and uh, a lot of the people in the film have experienced like there's there's one where ryan at the end he's he's like i made my, if you want to hear my he says to quote him when I hear my leaving the Jehovah's Witnesses experience, listen to these three albums. He lists three albums that he made as part of his coming out experience. And then he moved on. You know, he doesn't make music about that anymore because he got it out. There's another artist I've highlighted on my podcast, the Witness Underground podcast. <clears throat> his name is um, David. Uh, he made the, the albums under the title The Bloody Tuesdays. And his music is very much a journey of leaving the religion for the first two albums. And his third album is like unrelated. And it's amazing to listen to it's like oh i totally get why he put that in there it's like a great little homage to this this thing that's like he, he like he used the melody from one of the kingdom melodies that's probably also a plagiarized piece of music oh, that they they're all <laughs> national anthems or something aren't they right <laughs> but like he references it in a, in a small way and then like yeah. uses some of the lyrics and he twists them a little bit to make them funny and it's like oh this is, this is beautiful i love this but it's something to like i feel like i want to highlight so to get back to the grant mm. i'm offering my own money as part of you know the marketing of the film and the project i want people to join and like be feel like they're a part of it and get something out of it 
And a lot of there's a lot of creators who are like, hey, you know, spend money on my YouTube live and give me money every month so I can keep on making activists. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the Watchtower every week and I'm gonna tell you what it says. I'm like I don't I don't ever want to read the Watchtower again. <laughs> but some people's getting something out of that. But yeah. can we make an album? How about like, you write a book? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know, like make a painting. Like I'd rather see that than have someone open up the, the Watchtower or the Bible ever again. In you know I don't and and you know I'm I'm also asking to join my Patreon to support this because I spent a lot of my time in life and energy making this movie and making the series, the XGW coming out series. There's other interviews like that and doing the podcast. I think that's a lot of work and it's something I'm really proud of. And I think is important, but I also want to give back. Like I'm not just asking to extract. So like 20% of everything that the Patreon makes 20% of anything I sell from the artists, it goes into a grant fund that is starting. That's starting this year, but I'm starting it off by seeding it myself with, I'm going to give a thousand dollars to any artist who, uh, well, any artist, but like, an artist and so they're a good grant application and in a sense it's sort of like a little bit of a competition but i don't really want i want people to share it like share it with all the artists you know because we're going to interview everyone who applies and celebrate their art whether they get the money or not and then it's not just me who decides we have a panelist of artists which is the people in the film who are going to chime in and say like oh, great. we vote on this one we think you know because there's and I have a few other people i'm thinking of like there's an author i want to bring in there's a another some other musicians not associated with my film i want to bring in um, and people have already submitted. One's a musician and author. One is a like a musician, a music video maker. She wants to make a short okay. video. And I've explained some of this in some of the update on my podcast updates. Um, another guy wants to do caricatures at music festivals. The very wide breadth of things. And he's like, I'm not, you know, his his explanation, which I like, was I just left the religion. I was never able to go to music festivals. Um, and then as a conscience matter, I guess, but he felt like he was never able to, and he wants to like explore drawing as an expressive art form. Oh, wow. Like, so like, okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, those are all great options. I, I wish I could support everybody and it's, or we could support everybody, but yeah. you know, if, if the Patreon is successful and the film gets views and like there's money coming in, that's up to people listening right now to like be a part of that. And then if you're on the Patreon, you get to sway the vote, like you'll see all the stuff and you could let me know what you think is important to you to see like what kind of expressive art. It's important. It's something I want to build, and I think it's a, a community aspect. It'll probably get better every time we do it. But I'm hoping to do it this time, and then we'll see how it goes and improve it and do it again next year. Cool. Sounds really yeah. exciting. I really love that idea. Um, so you. we'll put again. We we normally put the link on the the show notes from the ad anyway. But so we'll do that again. Um, and obviously, people can go to your website, witnessunderground.com. Yep, that's right. Um, to check all that out there's um, there's a bit more detail on there yeah the main um, page that... has a grant application it's very simple i'm going to be increasing the complication of that by making it's a nicer google form that has more details but that's all it's already you can do it now you can do it right now if you want to cool good okay that sounds brilliant so um sort of as our as our way to finish off i suppose i, I wanted to explore with you the benefits of creativity and art in various different forms after leaving a cult, um, we are obviously ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, but I think we we could say it's likely to be the case for other groups and other cults and other coercive situations. And I guess it's not for everybody. Not not everybody has that um, desire. But for those that do, what do you think, you know, how do you think that helps people? Is there a, a benefit um, getting involved in art? And why do you think that is, if that is the case? What's your thoughts on that? When I play music, it it's everything else in the world drops away. It's an act of presence and creativity, and it feels good to play. 
when I was very active as a musician, and that's even you know, to this day. And I was active as a musician when I was in my late teenagers, early 20s. Um, I would play like two hours a day, just even cover songs or like my own songs or anything, just fooling around, making noise. And it, it's such a release and escape from everything else in life. And the act of being that present is, is healthy, I think. Maybe you could speak to that, but that's been my experience. And, and like one of the characters in the movie, she has this great line where she says she would just, she would play guitar and write songs in her bedroom and she would cry. She's like, I wasn't feeling sad. I would just, tears would start running down my face. And I didn't know why. It's like something about like doing something for yourself is super healthy. And probably there's something else to cry about in the subconscious world that you like can't formulate as a thought, but it's like, it comes out in this way. And not like you should play guitar and cry, but maybe you should. I don't know. Um, I think there's something healthy about just taking that time for yourself. It's sort of like a self-healing, expressive um, activity. Yeah, what I, do you I, think? I, I totally agree, Scott. I think um, I think, and it, you know, different people will have different ways to 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 um, to explore that outlet. I think so. You know, I, I think that what's behind a lot of um, um, the explosion of YouTubers and uh, and podcasters um, in general is this desire to be creative. I think that is a creative act, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of it is activism, of course, um, but I think a lot of it is the desire to to be creative. And you know, you're yeah. working with film, you're you're working with audio, you're creating something from scratch. Um, and I, I've been really interested in the way that different people approach YouTube videos and um, podcasts, you know, they're all very, very mm-hmm. different. You know, you have some who do little skits, you know, little um, acting things, and you have some that, um, you know, just uh, pure voice. And yeah, I mean, it's just great. It just shows you how the human spirit sort of keeps going and, and part of that is through expression and the other, even things the other, like sorry, making making a meal like that's a form yeah. of art we call it culinary Absolutely. arts go make food and have all the ingredients and it's like having your palette of paint around and make something that you can enjoy but also others can enjoy in this really unique way through flavor or I have a friend who like he, he takes lego kits and mixes them all together and creates like really exotic environments and he like that's his way of having an outlet every day he like plays with legos but he makes something he won an award in like a lego competition like anything you do in your free time that has a you know takes you out of the stresses of life can be a form of art and i I love this idea of like any youtube channel like there's like you said there's so many all of them in a sense are saying like i have a voice i want i want other people to hear my way of seeing the world or understand it or like get some joy out of the thing i'm expressing Absolutely. I mean, um, Celine always laughs at me when I get my um, my paper. You know, I found a, a paper about this, um, but there is a paper about it that I'll put on the link on the show notes, rather. Um, but it's quite a lot actually about the benefits of art and other sort of art based practices in mental health recovery. So there's some there's some decent science behind it. Um, that this particular paper is is a sort of meta um, appraisal of lots of the evidence out there, and it it certainly seems to suggest that um, art based practices. I'll just read a little bit. Art based practices are of high benefit to psychological and social recovery, particularly in the areas of self discovery, self expression, 
relationships and social identity. And I think that's no surprise because that is that is the journey, isn't it, that you're making when you're leaving in many respects, this particularly identity, um, particularly for born-in members, I think, where you are probably for the first time evaluating who you are and what you care about and, you know, all of those complicated questions about about yeah who you are what your what your values are and and all of that and it just gives a way for you to start expressing yourself and as you say having that voice so that's uh, whatever form that is whether it is music or acting or um making films or doing youtube channels um i think that's that's what you're trying to do you're trying to to assert yourself you're trying to assert yourself into a world that you were denied doing things like art um music whilst we did those things i don't know about you scott but i always had a little voice in the back of my mind saying um yeah you re- this is you really should be doing something more useful right now you know you've you've got other things to do have you studied your watchtower for the week for this week have you you know um, what about the ministry what about that return visit you need to sort out you know so it was right. it was always at the back of my mind and i think that's um again something that it's such a wonderful freedom when you leave because you can actually do these things without feeling guilty i was actually thinking about this the other day where even if you were as a man to do the things that men are allowed to do in that religion which is rise up and take on what they call more responsibility um you, the only act of expression, personal expression I ever came across in that world, like all the talks, I, I get triggered doing public speaking because the five minute talks that I was trying to do and often were like, I don't care about this topic. I'm doing research. I'm like saying things that I don't even, I don't even believe in because this is what the topic says. I'm researching from books that I don't, I don't agree with. And this is the point that they want to make. So I'm like, I'm, I'm doing what they want me to do, but I don't even I, like, I'm so, and then people are judging you while you're doing it. I'm like, yeah, I didn't say what you wanted me to say because I don't really agree with it. You know, whatever the thing, I, I have this personal struggle. But like elders and ministerial servants, when they when they rise up, they have this thing that they do in this religion, which is in their public talks, public speaking, where they're like, I made up my own analogy that was like oh, to, to explain this thing. And yes. I've, I've seen elders at like gatherings, quote unquote, which is a yeah. creepy word, <laughs> where the elders <laughs> are talking to each other in the kitchen and they're like, well, I made, uh, I really, what do you think about this? I'm working on this analogy so I can do this talk on Sunday in this other church, other congregation. Um, and I, I'm thinking this is the way to make the point. And they like, did the debate about like this analogy is like, is it a strong enough analogy? Is it, is it really on topic or like, maybe you could adjust it this way. And like, in a way it was like kind of, it's like kind of finding some like needle in a haystack of like yeah. joy of self-expression because they got to do like master public speaking and use their own creative way of getting people to, agree with cult doctrine <laughs> but at least yeah. it was something yeah, yeah but like that's it like that's the only thing i can think of where there was there's, self-expression there's not much yeah um that's that's a really good in that's a really interesting point actually scott um yeah I, and i recognize that yeah you would um you would feel really proud if you if you'd come up with a great illustration that you could use in a talk um when i was speaking when we were speaking to ali miller um author Ali Miller she was talking about how she used to like the talks that that the women 
gave. You know, they because women weren't allowed to do public talks, speaking in front of the audience, they weren't allowed to teach technically. So they the way that they did it was was a little they sit down um and it would be a little role that they play like uh, this one would be the person knocking on the door and the other one would play the role of the householder and there'd be a little presentation there and, and she'd go through or it'd be a bible study or something like that and that's the way they did they, they did their talks but ali loved doing those because it was like a little play she thought she, she thought of them as a little play that she could uh, do but yeah we we were desperate weren't we that sounds like desperation to right. have some outlook <laughs> and some outlet for this creativity that we were stifled yeah absolutely this made me think of like <laughs> the the plot scenarios being so <laughs> poorly thought out in these plays that women are doing so awful weren't they yeah, yeah. it's it's like What's a, what's an analogy in the modern world for such a bad plot? A B-rated movie, maybe what fam- what's famous in pornography is like a bad plot, like a silly, absurd scenario. Not that oh, I the plumber the plumber comes around or something. <laughs> exactly, like yeah, and, and they have to have some stupid dialogue that leads to <laughs> yeah. sex. Like, yeah, okay, so how did a Jehovah's Witness actually get someone to talk to them? Like, yeah. it would create this absurd scenario where, like, yeah. oh, like I'm so happy to talk to you. I was just praying to God. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> I was just wondering the other day, why does God allow wickedness to happen on the earth? Oh, interesting you should say that. I've got a magazine here. Yeah, it was all it was all very um yeah. Terrible writing. Yeah. Worst yeah, writing. Very bad. Yeah. <laughs> They're not winning yeah. any awards for those no, plays. No, definitely not. No. Um so I guess um I guess you can't really say you cut your teeth on the boards um of the Kingdom Hall um but no um yeah. i i before we go um i noticed that you were um you were helping i think you were you an executive producer um on um camilla did oh, yeah. um movie. i'm so, so glad you brought that up that's quite an exciting um story obviously we spoke to camilla yeah. on the podcast uh ages ago but um, tell us where we're up to with that i actually just released i just I recorded an update my fourth update for my, this year um, about Camilla and about the film Debutante. So yeah. if you haven't heard of this, definitely go watch Debutante. Mm-hmm. It's available now on Vimeo. Um, just search Debutante. I think it's, it's, it's a, she needs the support yeah. and he's very busy as a mother and she's got a lot of other work she's doing. And this is sort of like her directorial debut mm-hmm. and don't do it out of pity. Do it because it's like an amazing piece of That's art right. that she, um, it's, there's a lot of people I've talked to, a lot of women I've talked to who've gone through the judicial system in this religion and been interrogated about very personal things they should never have to go through. And it's very triggering and like, uh, maybe not triggering is the wrong word, but like it's very invasive and kind of in a form, another form of abuse that this religion does. And almost no one knows this thing exists. And so Camilla wrote a script that deals with this exact scenario and made and cast perfectly cast and perfectly directed a short film that just she nails every character every character is nailed by their actors but like that's a lot of good direction as well as good acting yeah. these people are not from this religion and they totally made me believe that they were you know yeah the scenarios are perfectly well uh created like it's amazing um and it deals with shunning and it, it's just it's just perfectly well done it's 18 minute short film that really dives into how this religion works and the same mechanism that we were talking about shunning that my film deals with her film deals with in like a very, the, a very realistic scenario. 
and and the response is amazing. So she anyway, that's available. Go watch it. Um, but she, she had asked me to represent. Well, I okay. Early on, I discovered her in a sense. Like I just on my crowdfunding, she shot my film, and I was working on like how to do the editing, how to deal with this mountain of set. And I saw her thing pop up to started paying attention for the first time in my life to actually actually was with mm-hmm. stuff on the internet, and I was a mm-hmm. part of all these groups. And I saw her thing come up like crowdfund my film. I had not seen any of her work, but her website was very professional. Her acting career was very professional. I was like, hey, I've been wanting to like do a podcast. Do you want to come on as an interview? So one of my very first interviews, her, another woman from England. So I guess I'm very connected to the, the British world in the XOs yeah. in this community yeah, with you guys. Um, and helped her crowdfund. And then she's like, well, since you helped me with the financial side, that kind of technically is an executive producer role. Yeah. And then later on, after she finished, she did through the whole, She she's amazing. She was just about to do she got the money and then the pandemic hit so she like became pregnant had her whole you know experience as a first-time mother and she cast the entire crew arranged all of the locations all during the pandemic and it's like all like that's already really hard to do as a single you know she's playing the writer um, producer director yeah you know everything and all this extra stuff because the superwoman she did it and then and then when it was going through the film festivals things they, they won well, they got into Galway and I think they won an award or nominated for an award they got they got an IFTA nomination Irish Film and TV Awards and then it went to like three other film festivals and then um in Ireland and England there was one in London I think and then they went to Chicago Irish Film Festival and so she couldn't make it to the states because of the cost time and she asked me if she asked Chris Stuckman is also an executive producer on it oh. I've not met with him we've had a couple chats over the yeah. last few years but He's also a very busy ex-Jehovah's Witness with yeah. his film, and he wasn't able to make it, and he got the kid on the way at the time. Anyway, so she, she asked me to go, and I represented the film in Chicago, and that was amazing, and the the audience response was incredible, and these are all non-related to this religion. Yeah, Other actors, filmmakers, and they were... It was such an incredible experience, and like the Q&A went for like an hour, and everyone, even the people that are on stage with me, were like, what about this in your film? Like, that was crazy. And they got, we got the audience award for that film, for the whole festival, there's like 150 films. It's like her film won, like the audience loved this film more than any other film, right. which is amazing. And then she invited me to come to Fastnet Film Festival in Skull, Ireland. So I went there and met all the people and helped make that a really nice experience. Like our, basically our screening got shut down, like because like the venue couldn't host anyone for some reason, like shut, they like, locked up the doors of the building. And I was like, hey, can we move this to like another time slot in another yeah. theater? help make this whole scenario happen like all these actors from the film all the crew and the family we all get to share this experience together and get to meet her for the first time and like her film was also nominated in that film festival for um the composite music composition for an award which is like it was so cool like all all of the stuff that's going on with debutante was amazing and now she's on to other things but the film's available and it, the journey of like pitching an idea for a film to it being out in the world is such a huge gigantic thing and her film is available to the world. So go watch Debbie Tom. It's go worth watch it. Debbie Tom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, totally agree. It's great. And um again, you know, that that whole um experience of of shunning, um, but a an insight into something that I've never seen. So I've never seen a, a judicial committee um mm. meeting. So um, you know, something I I I'd never experienced and so so learned a lot and obviously from a woman's perspective as well um a very mm-hmm. different experience so yeah um definitely recommend people watch that so yeah okay great um scott 
we've had a, a brilliant chat here tonight. Um, tonight for us, um, it's what is it afternoon for you guys? Um, midday, over, yeah, midday uh, for you in LA. Um, but um, thank you so much for coming on the the show today. And, it's always a pleasure. Uh, we need to get you on more often. Yeah, definitely. We need to get you on again. Um, there's a few uh, films out there um, around about the topic of Jehovah's Witnesses, so it might be worth nattering about some of those another time, really. Yeah, I would love that. You know, that's that's a really great topic too. I try to watch every one that comes out on the topic. And yeah. there's quite a few in the past as well, from like the 80s, 90s, and then they get better in this century. There's quite yeah. a few now. It's really important to keep that um, that word out, isn't it? Yeah. right well thank you so much again scott and uh i will put as many notes as as i can remember that we discussed on the show notes um but certainly check out scott's uh web page uh wit- well website witness underground and also your podcast um which you can access from that same place so uh, yeah we're on all the platforms i think at this point spotify right. for sure um, yeah please uh reach out anytime if you apply for the grant check out the website go on the patreon you can watch the film Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you.